Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media, where we value each person's humanity and what life experiences shaped you to be who you are. We, as the hosts of this podcast, seek to embody these ideas as we explore things like trauma, its impact on the body and mind, and even how it has shaped the way that we are in relationships. Trauma is not the end of our journey. So within this podcast, we will also discuss what it's like to heal, move forward, and grow as a human who's experienced pain. Welcome back to Beyond Trauma podcast. Um, we are in the studio, Bridger, myself, and Jamie, which I feel like some of you listeners may know Jamie from other episodes of us like talking talking to her as a podcast producer. <laughs> um, so may have seen, yeah, I can't remember if there'd be video of it, but probably heard her voice somewhere in the background at some point. Yeah. But this episode today is about us. Wait, you forgot there is also Jamie. Oh, yeah. We have an extra friend in here. (laughs) An extra friend that you might hear. A sweet little voice named Elijah. Jamie's son is here. (laughs) Hiding behind a curtain. Being super quiet. Trying to be as quiet as he can. (laughs) (laughs) So we may get little. You'll hear giggles. Visits uh, from Elijah. (laughs) Yes. So today um, is kind of our first of what we hope to do many, little mini interviews. So just kind of short interviews with uh, people who identify with different types on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. And we just finished our gut triad series of episodes talking about the different um, eight, nine, and one from Mm -hmm. the gut triad. And now we just want to get real life discussion on what it's like to be each of those types. So, Jamie, you're here representing type one. Yes. On the Enneagram. <laughs> and I'm excited for this conversation because two people who identify as type ones, <laughs> we get to hear where things are different and how yeah. things um, overlap. So, yeah, I'm really excited uh, to, to get to be here. Yeah, a five yeah. in the presence of two ones. Of two ones, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think so many questions but really wanting to get a feel for like what is it the the different variances of what a one can look like in the world and how a one can experience the world and feel in in their world so when we were thinking of this as a one i thought like oh like you and i have talked a lot about being type one but we're very different too absolutely and i think other people on the outside probably see those differences like significantly different. So wanting to just like kind of capture that and explore that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think our biggest difference is the wings, right? Like uh-huh. you're a two and I think you're way more people oriented than uh-huh. I am because I'm definitely a one wing nine. Mm. Yeah. What do you feel like that does as you use those two things to kind of name the difference? Sure. Um, so I think with the wing nine, like I'm much more likely to like shut down and like if I feel unheard or like if the people aren't doing the things that I want them to do I'm gonna I'm gonna shut down and maybe maybe Jen will just more people Mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah I think I think about when we're sitting in like a group circle of some sort whether it's like staff gathering or group supervision or we're at a 
social gathering for our team, both being type ones, but you are much more quiet and held back and reserved. And I'm like, if there's silence, I'll spill, they fill it to make sure everyone's like comfortable and like talk about things. And yeah, I think that's a space you can really see like a difference in the wing and how that shows up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm much more likely in a group to just to wait to wait and to make sure everybody else is good. Nobody else has anything else to say. And then I'm, I will take charge though, as long as nobody else does it first. (laughs) As long as no one else does it first. I love that. Yeah. Mm, What's that feeling of like, I will take charge. Cause I think that feels like a representative of one often. So I feel like I always have the right answer. (laughs) (laughs) Did you just say, I always feel like I have the right answer. That's amazing. And I'm just kind of like waiting to make sure, like to see if anybody else has the right answer. (laughs) So you're just kind of like looking around, listening and just like seeing who's like got the the right answer here. Yeah, as long as like somebody else knows and then they can handle it, then that's fantastic, good. Um, but if nobody has the right answer or nobody's moving or whatever, then I'm more than capable and competent to like get up and, and take charge. Do you feel like when you notice that no one has the right answer, that it's like a responsibility of yours to share it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That to me is one of the defining kind of features of the one, even when on the outside, they look so different sometimes that on the inside, there's like this moral obligation or I can't help, but I have to, it it has to be said or it has to be done or Mm -hmm. it has to, it it cannot happen any other way than this, or I'm going to lose it (laughs) or like, I can't sleep at night or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. What's the experience like when you say I kind of wait to, to see, I know I have the right answer and I kind of wait to see how everyone else responds. What if someone comes in with the wrong answer or the wrong way, but feels like it's right? <laughs> I, Elijah, baby, I need you to be still and quiet, okay? You, you can't pull on that, buddy, because it, it will fall. Okay. There's all kinds of things in this room for him to play with. <laughs> um, I guess I, 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 it depends on how 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 wrong I perceive their answer to be. <laughs> okay. So, like, if there's a spectrum of it's close to being right, you may not need to jump in. Yeah, like if it's okay, and then it, it, maybe I determine like how detrimental their wrong answer would be to the group or to, I don't know, people. Society (laughs) in general. (laughs) That's amazing. That's so perfect. Mm. Mm. The one is like the phrase for the one is the perfectionist. How does that show up for you? Do you relate to that? Is that a, a way you would describe yourself? For a really long time, I would say no, because like I'm kind of um, messy. And so when I think about a perfectionist is like getting like a project completely done right. And like that's not necessarily how it comes up for me. But um, I I'm constantly making lists about like where I need to improve and be better and be more perfect. Um, And so I think like internally I think that I can always be doing better and um, I can be a better mom I can be a better therapist and I'm always going to work in that way um, 
So I think that's how the perfectionist comes up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's never done. No. What you're doing or like what you're working on or ways you could improve. Right. Never done. Never. Mm-hmm. So perfectionist doesn't just look like my, you know, I'm super organized in and everything's box, put in its neat. place. And yeah, like, no, it's more of that internal, like striving to be, to be in alignment with right. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. One of the ways that we've talked about the gut triad, I was sharing this with you just before we started recording that I have these like little phrases, almost like caricatures of all of the types just to kind of capture the essence of, of what each of the types is working through. Eights are, I'm right. Nines are, you're right. Kind of avoiding that conflict. And then ones are, it's right. So I love even just this first part of the conversation showcasing that that's always something that you're aware of, that there is a right in this space. Mm -hmm. And what we're all doing is trying to organize or orient how close are each of us to that right thing because it's all of our duty to be as close to the right thing as possible. And if you're not, that's a big problem. (laughs) Huge huge problem, like catastrophic problem. Uh, And so that's where your sense of responsibility might come in to say, these people that are not close to this right need to come and get closer Mm -hmm. over here. Not necessarily forcing them to be someone they're not, but saying like, there's you could do better. <laughs> you yeah. could be closer <laughs> to this. Yeah. 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 And it's for me, and I'd be curious to hear your spin on this is like, it's the things that feel like of the deepest value when we talk about like human, humankind as a whole, or the, like the little things don't feel like it's worth putting the energy in to say like, I'm, I'm going to fight for you and show you that this is the right way to like put your silverware in the drawer. But like, the things that have big meaning, the things that feel like they have really core values, that that's where it's worth coming in and trying to like herd the crowd over into yeah. the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a big, big thing that, uh, that encompass all of humanity. Mm-hmm. I can get, I mean, like, is, is it annoying when somebody doesn't put the dishes away in the dishwasher correctly? Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> there's a right way to do, do that, too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, like, I'm not going to. At least it got in the dishwasher. Yeah, it got in the dishwasher. We can deal with that. Now, if, if, if you're producing an insane amount of trash without any, like, intention or knowledge or or effort and like Awareness. limiting how much waste mm-hmm. you have, and especially if you have been become aware, like then then that's like something that I'm going to be more passionate about. Passionate mm. about. I like that <laughs> word. <laughs> yeah. Jen, I'm reminded of you talking to me about like when you come home, for instance, you will put off like eating dinner to go around and Oh, clean and fix and put back and do all of those things. Do you feel a similar like way of seeing the world where you'll kind of like deny your own needs to go out and make right or fix things? Or do you feel like for you, it's more you're fine with it being kind of a disarray around you as long as you're you're on the right path? Hmm. I will say like, when the house is 
crazy. I feel very overwhelmed and overstimulated by that. And I have to have that clean. And I definitely, then that like inserts all of this shame cycle about, oh, you should be doing this on a daily basis. Oh, you should, you should, you should. Um, and I think that I'm, yeah, I think that I would like put off, put off dinner if, if the house, yeah, is crazy. Hmm. But it's definitely not a daily thing. Yeah. Let it get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it gets crazy. Too. The shame is overwhelming. And then I tell the shame is overwhelming. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, mm. that that experience of things like enjoying a meal or resting or working on a creative project, like all of that feels like a luxury once everything's in alignment, like first. And if I have to do some of those other things, like because the kids need to eat, so I just as well like make food, like that feels there has to be a, a requirement for me to move into some of those other things before I have everything in line. Doesn't mean my house is always perfect. In fact, it's far from that. It but, never could be perfect. Right. Yeah, no way. <laughs> There's too many little people messing up all the time. <laughs> it was just me, I think, maybe. <laughs> just me. You just exist in this like, non-disturbed environment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like utopia. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, the one disintegrates to the four and grows to the seven. Mm. What does like a disintegration to a four look like for you? Oh, uh, I think this is kind of how I figured out I was a one is because at my worst, I definitely feel like a four and at my best, I feel like a seven. Mm. Um, it's, it's a lot of, of laying on the, on the couch and like the depression is bigger than, um, bigger than words can describe it's very um big and all-encompassing and um i can't imagine anybody else who's felt like this there's no way that anybody could understand um on a on a like on a real visceral level how you feel it yeah yeah and then for the seven I love seven. <laughs> even like, even oh, as I, I asked seven. that, your face, like <laughs> your whole posture changed into bright, yeah. like glowing almost. So you love seven. What? Why, yeah. why do you say that? Oh, because it's just like the, the perfectionist falls away and I could just see people for the beautiful things that they are, these beautiful people that they are. And um, all the crazy stuff just doesn't feel so crazy. And like, I'm still really passionate about like the earth and, and, and being like producing as little waste as possible, but it just feels lighter and it feels more possible and kind of up for anything. And I'm confident and I'm more likely to speak up in a group and all those types of things. Yeah. Feel more okay to just experience the zest yeah. of life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How does hearing Jamie describe that for you, Jen, feel? Yeah. I think I've always so much associated my sevenness with adventure, exploration, travel, um, getting a taste of new things, like trying new food, meeting new people, experiencing new culture, like just the freedom to just go out and, and I love that. Oh, I love that space. I love getting to do that. But hearing you describe it, like I hear a lot of the same things, but also 
it's interesting to hear you focus on like what seven feels like right here, like that <clears throat> seven nature of seeing the beauty in the humans that you're interacting with yeah. here. It's not just about like leaving here to go find it somewhere else. Right. Experiencing it yeah. here. So that's, that's beautiful. There's a little snake kind of <laughs> going between our chairs. <laughs> <laughs> How does your oneness yes. respond to this situation? I want to put him in the other room and lock the door, but I won't. Because <laughs> well, attachment won't. says that's not cool. This <laughs> attachment tells me that's not right. <laughs> that, <laughs> this isn't right, but that's not right. So that's less right. <laughs> that feels so relatable. Like my parenting being driven by internally uh, this instinct to respond and like, ah, or like whatever, but that would not be right and it can't and and letting that like filter out <laughs> oh I think I'm sorry if is... I'm making it harder for you by <laughs> interacting but I can't help myself this is like a maybe a type one's worst nightmare. <laughs> this is exposure therapy for the yeah, type that's right for sure. now. <laughs> mm. yeah. Do you feel comfortable actually like processing what you feel on this? Because I think this is a pretty it's cool moment to capture of like everything about this yeah. isn't going as planned. <laughs> um, it's definitely like this. Man, if you were like a better mom, then he would have just listened oh, to you and man. been in there on his tablet and just like, oh no, like, I don't know, the parts of parenting and trying to get him to go in there that I don't maybe, I'm like, is that, is that a correct response? Should I have done that? I'm sitting in front of two people who know, right? Oh gosh, and so, no. uh, Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the most beautiful part about the Enneagram to me because life isn't at all consistent or going to let you be in your idyllic version of self. So like as the one says, I want it to be clear. I want it to be predictable. I want it to be just as I intended it to be and expected. And then life comes along even your own, your own children, yes. <laughs> your own creation <laughs> and say like, that's not how today is going to go. Yeah. And so where do you go when that happens? Like, Oh, when things don't go to plan, man. And I love plans. Like the kids are going to my mom next week for spring break. And my plan is to um, sit down and make a plan for like <laughs> the next several months. And like, oh, perfect it'll just be. so good. It's like map out the perfect, like, all of the things that I can do and have um, to be the perfect version of myself, to have the perfect homeschooling situation, to be the perfect therapist. And I'm going to plan it to the 15 minute mark. And it's going to feel it, so It good. will all fit on a schedule. Yes, it yes. will. People do it all the time. So I can do it. People do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. They do. Right. I don't know. Maybe. And, uh, and so when things don't go to plan, I can, <laughs> I can really fall apart. Mm. It's not pretty. It doesn't feel good. Um, yeah, I could, I get angry. I get really angry and, um, yeah, 
It doesn't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. The the angry piece. That's something you and I have talked about. Like the in Bridger, what's the language? The like rage is the unexpressed. Mm-hmm. What's the the Enneagram language for? Well, it's the shadow. Shadow. Or, okay. Yeah. So the shadow of the one being anger or rage, mm-hmm. and that like my experience is this like really like buckling down and like withholding that from it being expressed because that doesn't fit that like perfect right way of being um and so when that emotion comes up it's really unsettling like it yeah so to show that to show the anger on the outside is not right not it's a question. Yeah, for me, yeah. for me, it would absolutely, I would run through the filter of like, that's, that actually tickles. <laughs> He's tickling my feet and it actually tickles. You cannot tickle. <laughs> Took my sock off. Elijah, we had a deal, okay? I want to tickle. I need you to be, tickle. I need you to be still and quiet, remember? Or go play on your tablet. Would you play a game on my phone? In the other room? Yeah. I've got some cool games that Piper really likes. I want to play them. Okay, but you'll have to take it in that room, okay? Mm-hmm. How about I pull up YouTube Kids? Do you like to watch YouTube Kids? Yeah. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. I'm, I should have asked you. No, nope, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to put you on Piper's because these are some of the shows she likes. Okay, you got to take it in that other room, okay? Okay. Okay. Why didn't I try that long ago? I don't know if you can reach it. It's probably too heavy. It's a heavy door, buddy. Okay, we'll be done in just a few minutes. Make sure to that. New devices. Yeah, it's so exciting. <laughs> so exciting. Okay, rage. Rage. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm more in touch with my anger than you, and we've definitely talked about that before. Mm-hmm. I will say though that I think, like at least the report that I've gotten from other people is like I feel very emotional, very angry, but I come off more cold, distant, mm-hmm. not really there. So I'm not sure how much my anger comes because i feel rageful a decent like a decent amount of time but i don't know how much it comes out um to the people around me mm-hmm. it comes out in a way that they would look at it and say she's angry yeah or feel, feeling rage yes do you think that like cold or kind of detachedness is when you feel anger like that's a way of like shutting it down so that it doesn't come out too powerful or does that just like a I don't know not intentionally Mm -hmm. how would those who know you like in your most personal lives like inner circle people describe you without the language of like a one, like without being able, maybe knowing that language, how do you think they would describe you? (laughs) Uh, 
I think like there's yeah like two distinct parts that like the most close people see in that there's like this um like joyful confident hope-filled um follow your dreams like passionate person and then like the 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 father of my children he would you know he's watched me fall apart when things don't go to plan right and so he's definitely been witness to to my most anger-filled moments Mm. i don't care it just feels like so like both Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know yeah i always think it's interesting just in the reflection of like personality in general, like how, how much it can shape and evolve based on the relationship or based on like who we're, we're with and those inner circle people, those ones who may, we have enough safety with to say like, Oh, you've either been around me long enough or I have felt safe enough to be some of my most like messy versions of me um, to fall apart when the plans don't go well to like, see what the rage really looks like and and feels like but to also see some of like the joys and like what joy can look like on its highest level yeah and then and i don't know if this is a one thing or but for me it's like there's a the further out in the circle someone goes in my relationships the more filtered versions of me they get sure like the most inner gets the most raw and then it becomes more and more filtered of like what's acceptable to present or to like let be seen. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think with the types of strategies available to us across the Enneagram, each of the types are going to have their way of navigating the transitions through those layers of intimacy um but each of the types i think would be very misrepresented by people kind of along the spectrum because as you jamie even laid out the people who see you as this you know go for your dreams like the the really um i wouldn't say energetic but like confident confident yeah yeah, like see the zest that you kind of want other people to see and take it you know take take by the hand and go with it they don't see maybe the rage side Mm -hmm. and so even if they thought that was all of you it'd be like well it's only a part of me and then for the other side who only sees the rage they maybe don't see the part of you that's like i want to dream and go and do things and build community and love people and set up sustainable ecology (laughs) (laughs) Um, like all of those things it would still be a misrepresentation at different different layers um yeah so i think it's really about what type of of skewing or augmenting happens the farther out or the closer you get yeah in that proximity yeah and how it's really all of it is is the you is all of those things it's not like that's a false version of who you are but it's it's all of that it's just so complex yeah it's how safe do we feel to like let others in on that complexity one of the things i'm always fascinated to hear people put language to 
when I get to talk about the Enneagram explicitly is like, do you remember what it was like before you started to make sense of the way you are through the one and like what it felt like to you then versus what it feels like to you now? Um, I don't know if this is exactly the answer you're looking for, but I think the thing that's changed the most, um, since I've, I've like learned about the one is how I see other people. Um, I, before I was just incredibly critical of, of every, of, of myself. Yes. And also of all of those people around me. And I couldn't really put, um, like a finger on exactly why, because I, at the same side could be very loving and accepting, um, <clears throat> on people like on the like idea of, people and humanity and then but very critical of anybody um that i knew <laughs> and i think like learning about the way that i was processing the world and processing the situations i was in and processing the the people in my life um it just really allowed me to have a lot more grace for for everybody around me mm-hmm. And then, then in turn, that just feels better, better, right? <laughs> and so then, I, then a lot more grace for myself. Mm. That's interesting. The, the learning about that it shifted less immediate the focus on like how you understood yourself, but more how you were understanding other people. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm still kind of thinking about that point of how realizing that there aren't just people around you that are bad or that are crazy or that are trying to intrude on your uh, on your path but that they are just humans who are struggling in their own ways how seeing that and realizing it would help you maybe settle the criticism that you feel towards yourself did it feel like it was in that way like seeing it in them the two sides mm-hmm. helped you see the two sides in you yeah, absolutely. One of the, um, and Beatrice Chestnut's kind of approaches looking at the childhood wound and like how did we enter into the world and then how did we become the type that we see ourselves to be now? I don't know if you've read that or anything about that but just it's been fascinating to me to think about like what what was I before I was this <laughs> like <laughs> what was I in the world before my environment and my uh the way my parents parented me and like the life circumstance I faced really early on kind of necessitated more of this way of being to navigate that yeah where you found your success yes. in this strategy yeah to whatever that looked like you know maybe not success in the way of like you know, conquering uh, business ventures, like not that type of success, but like it worked mm-hmm. the way the world saw you, the way you saw the world, this bundle of strategies for both of you, one in some way, knowing that it's right and trying your best to be on the right side of right mm-hmm. was going to solve the best, the equation that yeah. that was on your life. Have you ever thought about it through that perspective of like looking back into childhood and early development and like how this way of being made the most sense for you? Yeah. Um, 
I think like I my my childhood there was so many chaotic um, moving parts, and uh, there was no. Mm, there were no anchors to be had in many parts of my life, and then like the one person was um, was my mom, and so I, and then that was you know chaotic in its own right. So I think it was like I, I thought that maybe if I could just be really good, really good at school, really good, and be everything, be right all the time, be okay all the time, then things would be okay. And, and my, my father and my brother took a lot <laughs> from my mom. And so that's kind of like where the resentment came in. I was like, you guys are, are not good enough. You're not right enough. You're always too far on the, this side of right. And I can see the effect that has in this little mm. world. Um, and so like, that's like kind of when like, resentment towards people who are not doing it right enough came to play. Um, and so, yeah, I think that in my mind, it was just like, if I could just create enough order, make enough sense and, and do things the right enough way, then like, it'll be okay. Yeah. And I definitely see the seven when I was younger, right? Like I, <laughs> my mom was a little crazy because I had like a birthday party with 14 girls at a sleepover oh, when I was like wow. eight, right? <laughs> so, Sounds like way worse than <laughs> <laughs> Right. So like definitely like it's funny to look back and see those like spurts of, of that part. Yeah. I love and just to our like put the explicit words to it that being on the right side of right for you was it sounds like creating stability or or at the very least not further stressing mom. Mm -hmm. And so that was like the indicator of how to know what's going to be more or less right. Does that feel? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm imagining to like a scale almost where you're describing your dad and brother in the home seeing on one end. And it's like, I have to like counterbalance this. I've got to like create mm -hmm. some balance in the environment, maybe even if it's for mom to be okay, like, or for whatever reason, but to create that other balance is... I have to be so right mm -hmm. and do it all so perfectly and to create some relief because the other side is taking so much from her. How do I not take or I, yeah, do it all correctly? Yeah, absolutely. That I resonate with in just like the sister, like kind of the sibling, how we develop in response to them. And I don't know um, how much that has to do with the one nature or what, but just that idea of like, oh, I see how this is not going well. And how do I balance that out by not causing problems and being really like the two piece, being really caretaking and likable and friendly and easy to be around. Cause she's more like, I'll create conflict with my mom and fighting and arguing and like how that just shaped trying to find that balance. One of the things that you both also have in common is that you're both therapists. So I'm curious, Jamie, for you, what 
that is like being a one and (laughs) 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 okay so like i learned about the enneagram you know like a year and a half in and i will say like learning not to be so critical of people really helped (laughs) that sounds horrible but i was just like very much like just do this and it'll be fine (laughs) and then they don't do it you're like well yeah you're still suffering you didn't do what i said to do (laughs) (laughs) silly goose (laughs) (laughs) so um and now I think like the most one part is like, I I really believe that, you know, that if I can touch this one person and our work together can change their lives, then they're going to go out better people and become better parents. And then that will affect the, the future generations. It'll affect the people in their lives. And then that will just create a ripple effect. Yeah. Carry forward the good. Yeah. Yeah. And if they have one good representation of therapy, because how many people come in and they tell me their stories of therapists and I am just broken for them. And and so if they come in and then they have a good story to tell, then they're going to go out and tell good stories of therapy. And then other people who maybe are a little bit resistant will come in. And then the whole world will change. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Down the line, yeah. all will be well. Yes. <laughs> when you were, something about when you were saying that, it brought to mind a, a case that we had talked a lot about, like it was a court case and all of that and just resonating in the criticalness and wrongness of like systems. And we've talked a lot about like clients not having access to therapy and pay like insurance structures and fees and like just so much of that feels like I still feel a lot of energy around a criticalness and a right wrong in those. And then when it comes to the human, it's such softness of like, see it more and maybe the seven perspective and the beauty in that. But then when we get into the systems and how unjust things are and how difficult things are that's where i get this like heat (laughs) and deep heat in my gut yeah society society (laughs) (laughs) i would are ones by nature pretty focused on like i look look to you because you're you're my guide for all enneagram (laughs) things richard (laughs) are ones by nature what like really focused on that like higher I know like the greater good kind of nature, but like society and systems and injustices on a larger level. I I have known some ones that are not seemingly oriented towards that at okay. all. Um, but I think it's relative to the value they find in the communities they're in. Because while there may not be any concern for a global humanitarian you know, interest of right and wrong or, or flourishing, there will be a sense of, but I want that for my family or I want that for you know, my close circle of people. So I think it's, it's in some way the belief or the, the way of being in the world that says, if we do good or right 
or whatever, it will create harmony for the people that we care about. Mm. Both of you have, I think, larger interests, like what calls you to the work that you do is not just the work of your family. Like you're like, no, I want to help people that are out there. So I think naturally that would extend into I'm interested in doing this work, not because I can only affect the people that I have direct contact with, but that they'll take it forward and Mm -hmm. create good Mm -hmm. in the home, in the school, in the hospital, in the whatever that they that they interact with. But I think for all ones, in some way, it's the belief that by doing good or by doing right, it will create harmony and joy and flourishing and compassion. You know, it's it's looking to the seven and saying the way I get there is by doing right or doing mm-hmm. good. Um, but I've known some ones that are not so good, um, very critical, very self-righteous and pretty like mean to other people. Mm-hmm. So it's like what good means can kind yeah. of be like, I don't know, or like what right is. It's not a an absolute truth. But for them, it's like by carrying out this moral value or this law or this way of being, I will create harmony and balance for my people. Yeah. And then I'll have a place to be as well. When maybe whatever orients us to what good and right is, I mean, that's coming from our development in childhood too, to some degree, our exposure to whatever in the world. Or maybe if what orients this is the right thing is about some of those hateful, mean things like uh, I'm thinking just about like that's a a wrong way to live or a wrong way to like present yourself or a wrong way rather than looking at it for the good of humankind. It's very critical. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, of course. (laughs) I know. Thank you so much. Kind of personal, like dig into your personality and like (laughs) how you experience the world. But our hope is that everyone can start to like get a feel of like how much variation can be in each type. It's not like a cookie cutter thing mm-hmm. and just get people curious and exploring that for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Very exciting. Um, again, it's not about in any way being comprehensive. Um, this, the, what, the reason we're talking about it is to start conversations that mm-hmm. matter um, where people can listen in and, and start to feel some, felt sense of being seen and also permission to be different. And so I think that's one of the ways that this episode really to me is is important because it's not about, did we do an exhaustive overview of the one architecture yeah. <laughs> along the Enneagram and what all of these things mean? To me, that that's not really what we're trying to do yeah. here. It's just have a meaningful conversation where we get to identify and understand some things that really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and you both being ones, it was just such like a cool, like, yeah, like you guys talk. (laughs) This is going to be great. Yeah. So thank you, Jamie, so much for being with us. We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will aid you in your healing journey. If you are feeling inspired by something that you heard today and desire to seek out your own therapy, we would encourage you to do so and would be honored to support you in finding a therapist that is the right fit for you. You can contact us by emailing therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes, leave us a review, and follow us on social media by searching Beyond Trauma Podcast.